I'm Zoraida Cordova, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabres Network. Here we go again. Bypass the compressor. You are the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabres podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I am here with my co-pilot and now tattooed scoundrel. He is... It's Drew. How you doing? What's up, man? Mr. Tattoo Man? My arm itches so bad. <laughs> All the time. But it looks amazing. It does. It turned out really, really good. You, you, you're going to have to post it on the on Facebook. Have you posted it on Twitter? Uh, no, I've not. Not not as of the time of this recording. I'll do it then. I, I, I'm sad to say it's not Star Wars related, but it'll still be. It's. I hope you guys will still like it. The art, the art's fantastic. If you recognize it uh, without knowing what it is, you're already my best friend. So that's gonna be great. Well, then I know where I stand. So, yep. um, speaking of tattoos, I have to introduce our other host, and <laughs> she is as magnificent as Ray with an Ahsoka tattoo. It's Lindsay. <laughs> I mean, that's not true at all, but I am, I am easily the most tattooed member of this team, and which is why for I have moment. to say, Drew, for the moment, for now. I mean, it's going to take a little while for you to catch up, but <laughs> when, when Brandon did his, his intro for you, I did a full-on, like, New Jersey 2008 fist bump for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, was, I was so excited, and and. Look, full transparency, you sent us the photo of your very first tattoo. My very first thought was, oh my God, I feel so bad. Because when you asked for for advice, I didn't think you were going to go that hard on your first tattoo. (laughs) So I gave you... I gave you advice that maybe wasn't completely relevant to the in-depth, beautiful full tattoo that you got all right all right all right that's enough of that it was great but but at the same time yeah you were like make sure you you said make sure you eat something before you go i was there for eight and a half hours (laughs) yeah make sure you eat something while you're there I couldn't. Look, I still eat do anything. think I no, gave good not. advice. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely. Yeah. I mean, food is definitely a spot on advice. It was kind of funny. But I, I looked at my phone, and and this is like my personal story for that weekend. You know, I look at my phone, and it was before. Um, you know, like there were really good UFC fights that night. So my friends and I, we yeah, were sure. all planning on getting together, and and we were going to watch, you know, watch all the matches and whatnot. So 6 a.m., we're like, before we all go to the gym and before we all nap and then stay up late, like, let's let's go grocery shopping <laughs> for the night. What? So it is, it is 6 a.m., and we wake up early, we go to the grocery store, we are shopping together, we're getting ready for fight night. And I look at my phone, and I see, <laughs> see your tattoo, and I look down, and I go, oh, no. My friends are like, what? <laughs> I go, one of my friends got his first tattoo. I gave him some advice. I didn't know this was going to be his, his tattoo. This is really advanced. <laughs> and I showed, so I showed my friends your tattoo. And here's where it's full transparency. I did not know what it was. 
Most of my friends did not know what it was, but one of my friends did, and he was very excited for you. (laughs) That's fantastic. I love that. He loved it. And he, he. He told me, it's actually my coach too. And he told me who it was and what it was. Don't, don't retain any of the information, but he was really (laughs) excited for you. Well, I I appreciate that uh, vicariously. I (laughs) do. It was a lot of fun. It hurt a lot, but, and I had a lot of people wandering into the the studio there, like where I was getting it done. And they were talking to my artist and, and, and they were like, yeah, this is his first one. And they looked at me like, are you insane? I was like, what have I done, guys? <laughs> it's getting a little crazy in here, but it was a lot of fun. I, I, I'm very excited to get it more in the future, but not until like a year or more down the road. I got to wait and make sure it's okay to do more first. So your Star Wars tattoo, what's your Star Wars tattoo going to be? You know, here's the thing with that. Because I have been thinking about this a lot. And what I'd really like to do, I'm concerned about doing because I don't know how the story is going to end. I really think it'd be cool to get Starlight Beacon. I think the the shape of it is so striking. It's one thing you could actually look at and recognize if you know what it is already. Um, I feel like X-Wings, Y-Wings, and Star Destroyers and whatnot would be really easy to kind of goof up a little bit and, and not make it as striking and interesting. But Starlight Beacon has a really neat silhouette. But I don't know how Starlight Beacon is going to fare in the High Republic series. Yeah. So I feel like I need to give that time. See, like what happens if it gets it destroyed ends. in the next book? Yeah. I need to know that it lasts a little bit longer and that it doesn't turn out to be lame. Because right now, it's a fantastic idea. I love the idea of it. But I don't know where it's going to go yet. So I'm a little concerned Look, even, even my right tattoo, my sister, who's not like the biggest Star Wars, she's a Star Wars fan, but she's not the biggest Star Wars fan. But my right sure. tattoo, my twin sister kept telling me, she was like, just see how it ends. Just see yeah. how it ends before yeah, you commit. Exactly. And it's the best advice. Have you guys seen Fanboys? Years ago, yeah. <laughs> when yeah, Seth Rogen Episode one. Booshnickens, Jar Jar Binks. That guy's gonna be the shit. I tell you. Wow. Right? That you like is, that? Uh, I had them do that pose. I thought it was funny. That is Awesome. Uh, so today, guys, we are going to be discussing some of the best fights in Star Wars. But as we like to do here, we're putting a little bit of a twist on it. So instead of the usual, here's my favorite and why, we are going to take uh, our least favorite trilo- or trilogy, more or less, and um, argue in favor of one of those fight scenes in that set of films. So we will get to that later. But just a couple quick updates. Uh, first of all, uh, I was on Larger View of the Force talking about Ahsoka Tano. So if you want to hear me talking nice. more Ahsoka, um, it was an absolutely fantastic time over there. So episode 20 dropped uh, on the day of recording this podcast, which is on May 2nd, which will come out on May the 4th. So if you need some more Star Wars goodness, go over there and hit that subscribe button for him. And I also wanted to welcome our newest patron at the $3 level, Taylor Stone. Taylor, thank you so much for supporting our mission to get Star Wars books into classrooms across the country. And if you would like to be awesome like Taylor, you can go to patreon.com slash clashing sabers and the link is of course in the show notes boom updates over in my news voice you're welcome congrats well done thank you i try good luck good night and good luck all right drew i'm going to say the words that scare me more than any other in the world i can't wait over to you 
Just say you love me. That's all I wanted to hear. Okay, and now it's time for a game. The last time we got to play a lovely game, Back of the Box, uh, Back of the Book Trivia, we got to talk through kind of our, our favorite descriptions of books and kind of make sure you guys could have read the back of the books and can guess which ones they are when we eliminate certain things. And I feel like it was a little too easy. So we're going to play a different game. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was too easy? It was way too easy. Uh, Says so we're loser. Gonna... <laughs> I, she has a point. You shouldn't so, talk about your future self like that, Lindsay. We're going to play a different game, and this one's going to be called I've Never Even Read the Liner Notes. Here's what we've got. I'm going to give you the name of a track, and you're going to tell me from which film's soundtrack it appears. I can give you two hints if it's necessary. I hope they won't be, because they won't be very helpful. <laughs> so, so on brand. Wait, hold on. Are there are there going to be blanks in it like the the last game, or are we just getting? No. Okay. No. Some of them you will be like, oh, this. You're going to have to guess by context clues, and sheer dumb luck, and the and hopefully you've actually read the liner notes. Now, if I hear you typing into Google, Brandon, I am going to reach through <laughs> this recording and punch you in the face. No, I just wanted no. to add. I wanted to I, add that I need to put the Patreon link in the show notes. That's that's all it was. <laughs> I also just want to clarify before we begin, these. These are all Star Wars movies, correct? You're not going to ask us like the Titanic theme. Oh, you wanted? Oh, just hang on, let me filter. Uh, up okay, scribble. Yeah. Just, just... No, 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 no. All, all right, right, so there's two. It. All right, cool. So no Metal Gear Solid track titles. Got it. Okay. All right, so uh, what is, what's going to happen is I'm going to read a track title, and then you're going to buzz in with your name. So Brandon, if you want to guess, you you shout Brandon, and then I'll call on you, and then you give me what film you think it comes from, and then I will confirm for you whether you are correct or not. If you're wrong, Lindsay gets a chance to steal by giving me the proper title. Now, we don't. it doesn't matter if you can give me the name or the episode number, whatever. It's the first thing that comes to mind. This is all theatrically released live-action movies. Okay? Okay. Right. Keep Good that in mind. So, okay, so not so, Caravan of Courage. <laughs> and not the Clone Wars movie that came out was the first four episodes of the TV show. Not well, that's, that's just offensive. To well, not include so that. So is that movie. You know so, what? You opened that door. I just had to walk through it. So let me give you the first one. And this, this may or may not be a gimme. The track title is, and again, buzz in with your name when you want to guess. The title is A New Hope and End Credits. Brandon. Brandon. Revenge of the Sith. Very, wow. Wow. Okay. Yes. I'm one impressed. to me. One to you. Okay. So, Lindsay, this is how it's going to go. You got to be pretty quick on the draw, which I know you, your it. blood will get pumping and you'll get in there pretty quick. I have no doubt. So, here's number two. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. This track is called The Last Battle Revenge of the Sith. Oh, wrong. And you didn't buzz in with your name, Lindsay. Come on, follow the rules. Ah! You're wrong Breaking anyway. All the Brandon. Rules. Return of the Jedi. Also wrong. Oh, Lindsay, I'm going to give you one more try. Uh-huh. Last battle. Remember, there are two release. hints. You could, you, could try, you could ask for a hint, and I can give you one of the two hints. No. Nope, you're going to go at cold. All right. Five. Uh, I guess Rise of Skywalker. No. Okay, Brandon, this is it for the last one. The last battle. The last battle. It is a Star Wars movie. It was live action that people went to see in the theaters multiple times. 
Five. Four. People are screaming at you. The Force Awakens. Wrong. Nope. You're all both wrong. It's A New Hope. It's the final battle from A New Hope. Oh. Twelve really? seconds long. Yep. Yeah, it's weird. Huh. All right. Here's, here's the next one's kind of a gimmick. I think you'll get it. You ready? Buzz in as soon as you think you know it. Brandon. Brandon. Just kidding. No, just kidding. Oh, Go. Nope. That's nope. Nope. No. Lindsay. <laughs> get still. All right. Here we go. First. I was just making sure my buzzer worked. Yeah. It works. I'll take my hand All right. Now. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. It's called Augie's Great Brandon. Munis- Brandon. The Phantom Menace. Very good. Well done. Augie's Great Jeez, boy. And credits. <laughs> All right. I have one that could be a little tricky. Are you ready? This one is called Finale. Brandon. Okay. Uh oh. Is it just finale? That's all it's called. Okay. Uh, a new hope. No, I'm okay. sorry, Lindsay. Finale. Uh, finale. Final E. Final E. Finale. And it's not New Hope. It is not New I'm Hope. I'm gonna say Phantom Menace. No, no, oh, no. Wait, can I do no, that? No, Lindsay. Oh, not paying attention. All right, Brandon gets one more one chance to steal and then Lindsay will can try again if she doesn't if he doesn't get it. Brandon. Finale. What movie has a track title called Finale? I will take my hint. You okay? Uh your first hint is that this is kind of a trick question. <laughs> oh, I know it. Oh. All right. And Lindsay said The Phantom Menace, right? She said The Phantom Menace. Uh-huh. And I said A New Hope. And you were both wildly wrong. Like an wrong. idiot. All right, five. The Last Jedi. Very good. Yes. <gasps> Wait, really? Oh, yeah. Oh. All right. Are you ready? For the next Wait, one. hold on. I would like okay, to update the score. Good. Apparently, it is, uh, according to our scorekeepers, it is three to zero. Yeah, I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence, and nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. Next one is called Finale. Hmm. Strange. This one is also called Finale. Hate you, Joe. I love it so much. Bring the hate. All right, Lindsay. Brandon. I heard Lindsay first. Uh, I really think it's Force Awakens. Nope. Sorry. Ah. The Force Awakens is not, not one of them. Uh, I'm going to go with Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker, very good. Finale, 10 minutes and 52 seconds long. Well done. Another point on the board for Brandon. That would be a four for Brandon. And um, how many do you have, Lindsay? I'm Brandon. I'm going to break about anything I can. Me. You're daggum right I am. (laughs) Have you met me? (laughs) Okay, here we go. We've got uh, got a ways to go. And Lindsay, there's plenty of room to catch up. Don't worry. This is just... Oh, is there? Thank God. Okay. we, We got time. Here we go. The next one is Return to Tatooine. Brandon. Brandon. Attack of the Clones. Wow! Wait, is it? Again. Oh. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness! I thought you were going to go Return of the Jedi for a minute there. No. Come on now. Listen, my only defense is that I have always said music is not my strong suit. <laughs> oh, I've been consistent All right. here. 
We gotta, yeah, you, you gotta step it up now. I'm getting a I feel concerned like here. Let's all see. my hours of listening to Star Wars music at work is finally paying off. Hey, this might be the moment. All, all right, well, it's all led to this. This one is finale again. John Williams evidently wrote three different finales for three different films. I can't explain Brandon. why. Brandon, Return of the Jedi. Wrong. It's worth a shot. Lindsay. Lindsay. Revenge Jesus. of the Sith. No. Oh! Why do I Come suck on. so bad? I don't I'm do trying music. To tell you a bone I just here. don't. I know. I know, and I appreciate it. We're friends. <laughs> hey, that's All recorded. Right. That's that's uh, posterity's sake. Brandon, <laughs> chance to steal. There's one last film, just just by way of review. The Rise of Skywalker and The Last Jedi were the other two films that had title tracks of named finale so what could this third one be i'm gonna go with the force awakens you'd be wrong you fell into my I trap already tried that. yeah i, already I figured <laughs> Lindsay, come on last well, chance to drew would be specific revenge enough to be like that's not the one i was thinking of i just said revenge of nope. rise of skywalker no, we already had that one. No, womp, womp. Oh, the Empire Jedi. Strikes Back. The Empire Strikes Back. But everyone—that yep. was the only one where it very clearly was not the finale. <laughs> but it was for the movie. Ugh. Okay, we're gonna shift gears a little bit. This one's a little different. This one, if you're ready, is it called. Probably isn't. This one is Breakout. Lindsay. Break. Lindsay. The Last Jedi. Oh my gosh, Lindsay! Really? You're oh, killing me. You I are killing me. I am the me. worst. I Break know. Out. I know. All right, Brandon, chance to steal. It was not <sighs> uh, whatever Lindsay just guessed. Hmm. <laughs> Breakout. Break out. What could that refer to? All right, you got to make a guess in five. Um, I will go with two. A new hope. Oh, wrong again. Yeah, I didn't so think so. Close. Was I, though? So Was I? Close. I mean, it's a Star Wars movie. Lindsay, let's okay, see if you can break redeem out. yourself. Break I out. probably cannot. Oh, you can it's do this. It's not I feel Last it. Jedi. I feel it. Oh, my God. Shush. I can't believe I missed this. I am really surprised. Lindsay, let's you better see. get it right, because I'm getting it. It has to this be is, Return of the Jedi? This one is definitely... It's definitely in the bottom of my. Whoa, whoa, no, no, no! She said Return of the Jedi. That counts. I oh, get it. She? Yeah, she it. did. She did. Solo, a Star Wars story. It's Boom. Solo. Oh, jeez, man. <laughs> what? Why did? You, why did you go Jamaican for a minute? That was really weird. Jeez, man. Oh no. That's the level of frustration I am with myself. Oh man, that was All great. Right. Okay. Give me mine. All right. So that is, uh, is that six to zero? Uh, yeah, yeah, numbers are so. really not uh, our strong suit here, you know? Okay. Here we go. The next one. Uh, this one threw me for a loop when I saw it. But the title of this track is called Star Wars, parentheses, main theme, close parentheses. That's it. Star Wars. Brandon. Main theme. Brandon. A New on. Hope. Wrong. Okay. It seemed too easy, but I... Right? It's kind of like out there. So, Lindsay, what do you... This could honestly be anything. All right, fine. I'm going to go with... 
Well, you know, it's probably Empire not going to be a back. movie. Yep. And that's it. Lindsay's on the board. Yes! I'm on the board. I'm on the board. I'm on the board. You know, Rally honestly, I should have gotten that one. I should have gotten that one because of my Star what? Wars Pandora station. No, my Star Wars Pandora station is Star Wars, parentheses, main theme, and it's the Empire Strikes Back uh, cover. God bless. All right. All right. Okay. Well, see, now things are getting interesting. I wouldn't go now that far, competition. but. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> six to one definitely on even footing here well i mean rally start with one you got to start somewhere there's only up from here you got this Lindsay. i feel i feel a comeback in your future this one's right up your alley all right this next one is destiny of a jedi destiny of a jedi. brandon brandon rise of skywalker oh my goodness this is turning into a debacle this is great. Yes, it's Rise of Skywalker. Tra- yeah. Track number six off that album. Very good. All right, Lindsay, I'm putting a lot of faith in you. Come on. I thought this was going to be You shouldn't do that. It's going to be going to be a real disappointment for you. Oh, no kidding. All right. All right. All right. We're going to I we're don't gonna do up. music. This isn't really about music. It's about reading. I thought you were kind of on this thing. Anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. Text all right. me the I'm, answers. I'm, Text me the answers. <laughs> I'll send you a screenshot of Mike's. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, do you want to know how long it takes to, to type out all these different tracks? Way too long. Okay, here we go. The next one, if you're ready, is called Your Father Would Be Proud. Brandon. Oh, man, Brandon. Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Wow, he's doing Oh, that's the one I feel confident in. Ah, I knew. I knew it. I was like, oh, my God. As soon as I heard Father, I was like, oh, please be that one swooping in unbelievable all right okay this is getting whew, a this little is... scary brandon is, has eight now to Lindsay's one i'm getting a little concerned here <laughs> yeah, it's definitely time for a comeback there's definitely yeah. enough questions left yeah uh, well you don't want to know how many i have ready to go just in oh, case if it, God, if it was nine. close Please we could have done this for a long time <laughs> look we'll, go. we'll just do this until i win yeah. <laughs> Well, then somebody better go unplug Brandon's microphone. Uh, the <laughs> next one. I'll text Brooke now. The next one on our on our, our quiz show here is called Old Friends. Old Lindsay. Lindsay. The Last Jedi. Yes! She did. Yes! Absolutely. Yes! See, the that last one I knew. Jedi. How did yes. you know that one? I'm so, I, I, I don't know. I do, because I do listen, look, I do listen to the music, and every now and then I do glance at my computer to see what's playing. It's just not often that I glance at my computer to see what's playing. <laughs> this is kind of what I was banking on, the fact that you would actually look and understand what you're listening to. But I get it. I get it. Nope. I, get it. I don't. All right. I just Good. don't. Good. She's coming back. She's coming back. I feel it. She's only down by six. That's not bad. Yeah. We, can, we can overcome. We shall overcome. Here we go. The next one is called inner city inner city Lindsay Lindsay Phantom Menace no <sighs> so sorry inner Brandon city slide on in comfortably he could get used to this interlaces his fingers behind his head and leans back as he thinks about the answer inner city Brandon Empire Strikes Back no yeah. oh my goodness okay. I didn't feel confident about that at all no, this one's a little tough. It's a little obscure. Not the film, the track title. 
The film is not obscure in any way, shape, or form. Lindsay, do you want one more chance to take you back? Attack of the Clones. No. Ah. Good shot in the dark, but not quite. Revenge of the Sith. You guys are terrible. No, this is not it at all. It's from A New Hope. A New Hope. Really? Yes. It's the cantina area. No. It's track eight. It's four minutes and 15 seconds long. Look at that. Never would have guessed. Never did guess. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> yes, you guess some things. Just that's not bad. Yeah, that's all right. Eight to two, still eight to two with Brandon with a commanding lead, but that's okay. Worse leads have been blown before. Okay, the next. Now one we're here. getting into the two point questions. We're getting into the shorter track. Where it's lanes. like, a, a oh, you want to go stars. for double or nothing? Is that what it is? <laughs> <Let's do> it. <laughs> okay, the next one here. This was pretty good. It's pretty cleverly titled. It's called Enter Lord Vader. Brandon. Lindsay. Brandon. Revenge of the Sith. Very good. Brandon with it there. Nice job. Lindsay, is that what you were going to guess? Or were you going to go something else? Let's say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. I love the defeatist honesty. <laughs> All right, we're gonna slide back a little bit. This one here is a little, uh, a little more classic. This one is called Hyperspace. Brandon. Oh man, Brandon. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that's it for ten. He's got the win with ten there. Very good. Well done, sir. Round of applause. <sighs> no big deal. You know. I'd be, I would be more upset if I ever thought that music was one of my strong suits. It is well, not. Hey, you know what excuses are like, right? About that from the beginning. <laughs> what, what are excuses like, Brandon? Tell me. You can you can Google it. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to type it up too loudly for you. <laughs> You're oh, the one wow. who has to edit this. So yeah, go ahead. Tell me. <laughs> Anyways, now that uh, I have my victory, I would like to thank um, the Force and Kanan for getting me to this point. Um, I couldn't have done it without you. Well done. We didn't even get to my favorite one, which was called Rogue One. Can you guess what film that <gasps> ooh, one? Ooh, um, 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 Solo. It's, it's a menace. Really, really... <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for playing. It's been lovely uh, being your host this evening. Uh, for the record, um, our, our, our contestants here have each won a singular game each, and now they are gonna, they're tied, and it's going to be bad when I have to come up with one that's even more obnoxious to, in order to break the tie. Let's see. If... Lindsay won the book game, and Brandon won the music game. I wonder what I can find that's going to split you guys even further down the middle. It's going to be so interesting. Hmm. I feel like just a good old-fashioned movie game might really... <laughs> or episodes of the really shows. <laughs> Episode titles. No. That could be fun. That could be really fun. Yeah, no, I don't think so. No, not today. But thanks for playing, guys. This was a blast. We'll it, it was actually pretty fun. I like I like that game, and not just because I won, but mostly b- because I won and but I'm good at it. Because <laughs> yeah, I like no, things. I don't normally totally like cool. losing, but when you lose to a scholar like me, I know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's that's you. You're something, all right. Lightsabers are 
one of my favorite sounds, and in fact, it was the very first sound I made for the whole series. For some reason, after I read the script, even though my assignment was first to find a voice for Chewbacca and then a voice for R2, and then, uh, well, maybe come up with some sounds for laser guns and other things. The lightsaber fascinated me. At that time, um, when the script had first come out, uh, they had some paintings that Ralph McQuarrie had done so that there were some concepts visually of what some of these things would look like. And those pictures were very inspiring because they gave a, an idea of the direction we were trying to go in the look of the film. And it was inspiring to me to therefore think up sounds that might fit that kind of visual style. And uh, I could kind of hear the sound in my head of the lightsabers, even though it was just a painting of a lightsaber. I could really just sort of hear the sound. I think maybe somewhere in my subconscious I had uh, seen a lightsaber before. Um, and I went to, uh, at that time I was still a graduate student at USC, and I was a projectionist. And we had a projection booth with some very, very old simplex projectors in them. And they had an interlock motor which connected them to the system, which when they just sat there and idled, made a wonderful humming sound. And it would slowly change in pitch, and it would beat against another motor. There were two motors, and they would harmonize with each other. And it was kind of uh, that inspiration. Uh, that, that sound was the inspiration for the lightsaber, and I went and recorded that sound. But it wasn't quite enough. It was just a humming sound. What was missing was kind of a buzzy, sparkling sound, the scintillating element which I was looking for. And that I found one day by uh, accident. I was carrying a microphone across the room between recording. I was recording something over here, and I walked over here with the microphone, passed by a television set, which was on the floor, which was on at the time without the sound turned up, but the microphone passed right behind the picture tube, and as, as it did, this particular microphone produced an unusual hum. It picked up transmission from the television set, and uh, a signal was induced into its uh, sound reproducing mechanism. And that was a great buzz, actually. So I took that buzz, recorded it, and combined it with the projector motor sound, and that the 50-50 kind of combination of those two sounds became the basic lightsaber tone, which was then, once we had established this tone of the lightsaber, of course you had to get the sense of the lightsaber moving, because characters would carry it around, they'd whip it through the air, they would, of course, thrust and slash at each other in fights. And um, to achieve this additional sense of movement, I played the sound over a speaker in a room, just the humming sound, the humming and buzzing combined is an endless uh, sound. And then took another microphone and waved it around in the air next to that speaker so that it would come close to the speaker and go away. You could whip it by. And what happens when you do that by recording with a moving microphone is you get a Doppler shift, you get a pitch shift in the sound, and therefore you can produce a very authentic uh, uh, facsimile of a moving sound, and therefore it gave the lightsaber a sense of movement and it worked well on screen at that point. Today, guys, we are going to discuss the best fights in each of the three Star Wars trilogy, but as I mentioned earlier, we are going to be defending our least favorite trilogy. Um, not, not exactly. It's not like we don't like any of the trilogies, um, but Drew is going to defend the prequels, Lindsay, the originals, and I will pre be presenting a fight from the sequels. So uh, this is not, like I said, it's not like we don't like this trilogy, but we thought it would be fun to challenge ourselves, not just 
to fall back on which one we know and love best. So with that said, we are going to go in order and start with the prequels. So Drew, once more, I have to say it because apparently I'm a glutton for punishment. Over to you. And now it's time for another game. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> Guess Drew's favorite fight of the prequels. Well, here's... here. Okay. When you pose the question of what's the best fight, that is such an open-ended question that it kind of drove me a little batty. Um, because the Part of the best, fun. I, I know. I know you like seeing us uh, flail around like this for a while. So I had to put some, some rules around this. I didn't want it to just be like... You know, two when two people fight or when a space battle occurs, I wanted to look for something a little specific. So I came up with five different criteria that I wanted to judge each of the action pieces by. They are the entertainment that the scene provides, like is it worth watching? The suspense of the action, is it gripping? Do we know what's going to happen? Is this a foregone conclusion or do we truly not know what's going to happen? Three, the choreography of the action. Do, do things make sense? Is, is it... Uh, realistic in at least in terms of a star wars universe or is it just kind of rote is it not really match what the people are doing blah 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 blah. for the impact on the storyline how important is the outcome of the actual events and five the characterization do the people's actions make sense with who they are and what we know about them then i had to watch the prequels again but i couldn't really <laughs> I couldn't even do that um I knew kind of what I wanted to zero in on because I didn't, Brandon, like you said, I didn't want to just kind of rely on the easy answers. Um, Cause I think if you think about like, what are the most important battles? Phantom Menace is probably going to be the duel of the fates where you have Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon oh. and Darth Maul attack of the clones. You skip over cause it doesn't really matter. Sorry, Adriana and revenge of the Sith is probably battle of the heroes, right? I mean, those are kind of your tent pole sequences, but I'm going to make a case as best I can for the pod race to be the best fight hmm. out of the prequels. Um, huh. I think it's one, the one fight, the one conflict, if we can stretch the definition of fight to include just conflict with the other characters, that you don't know what's going to happen. And that it truly does matter. If the pod race doesn't go the way our heroes need it to go, um, number one, they have a real problem because they don't know how to get off of Tatooine. That's the whole reason Qui-Gon gets involved in it is because he needs to buy the part for their ship to get off the Tatooine to bring the queen back to Coruscant. But if it doesn't work, they've no real other alternative on how to get there. They can't call for help. They've got no way to do it. They can't afford passage off the system. They're kind of stuck without these winnings. But there's a bigger question about what happens to the galaxy at large if Anakin never leaves home. Like once Anakin leaves home, things start to go terribly wrong for him in a long cosmic scale timeline. And it really begins here. If he's left at home and is never really introduced to the way of the Jedi, his fall to the dark side doesn't happen either. Arguably. I think it's choreographed well in that there's so much action and so much intricate, but you're able to kind of follow along with what happens. The pottery itself is like 15 minutes long, which in terms of these films is an eternity like, it takes forever to get through it. But you don't cut away to other things happening like you do in Revenge of the Sith. I was thinking about, like, the Battle of the Heroes. You're watching Anakin and Obi-Wan fight, but then it cuts away to some other things just briefly, and then it cuts back to the fight and back and forth and back and forth. The pod race is the focus, and when the pod race is the focus, it's the focus. That's what the film wants to tell you the story about. And it's darn entertaining. Even now, like, the Disney Plus version, the Blu-ray editions, the 4K, they're a lot longer than the theatrical release was. They cut so much of the original pod race, but now they've restored it into the film. 
you get to see all the different racers. You kind of go along with them and understand their fates. Um, rest in peace, Rats Terrell. And sorry we never met you, Nevik He. That you really start to get, not necessarily attached, but you can recognize who Anakin is racing against. You know what obstacles he's up against right away. And that gives us kind of a stake in the race as well. And that's something that a lot of the other fights just don't have this such a strong degree. And the characterization. I mean, you got Sebulba, who is a really kind of neat character. He's, he's not really like any of the other characters we see, but he's got a passion. He does his thing. He's a racer, and he'll do whatever it takes to win, including cheat, sabotage, and murder. So... That's an interesting character for our heroes to kind of go up against. Even though we only see him for like these 20, 25 minutes of the film, he makes a pretty lasting impression because he is the barrier to Anakin winning the race to getting our heroes off the planet. If not for Sebulba's actions, it's a whole lot easier for Anakin to win because he blasts past every other racer without much of a, pr- a trouble. So he really is the gate through which the story has to clear. And I think it's a lot of fun doing it. So, Brandon, now I'm going to make you ask and think about why there's no better fight in the entirety of the prequels than the Padres. For one, I I mean, you're getting very, very loose with the word fight there. I, I I could see it as a fight for the fate of Anakin Skywalker, but if we're going to do that, then we're more talking duel of the fates because that's that's an actual battle in the force. But it's a it's 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 still a galactic, uh, you know, cosmic level conflict. Whereas the fight is really between Anakin and Sebulba for who can make it to the finish line the fastest. I mean, what's a clearer battle of two contestants than a race? The duel of the fate. Yeah, I was gonna say um, where they're <laughs> because like here's the thing. I don't think. I don't think, and, and listen to me to fully before you like go like, oh, no. I don't think Sebulba's intentions were to kill most of the racers, um, you know, as he's going along. I think that's something he's willing to do, but I don't think he goes out like, I'm going to kill them. Whereas Maul is definitely going for that. And I think when you consider, um, you know, the galactic implications, and especially because of how Maul comes to uh, represent the dark side outside of the Sith Order in Clone Wars and so on. And Anakin, his his arc is about being trapped between those two orders, and it's not until he sets himself free of that expectation that he is actually able to uh, you know, become the true Chosen One. So it's hard for me, you know, especially considering they're in the same movie to say that the pod race is more important. Now, when you go to your entertainment value um, aspect of it, I could definitely see that argument as much as I love duel of the fates, like pod race is, is definitely, you know, the, to me, it's the real feature of the film um, in terms of, you know, what George Lucas wanted to do with both the technology and the storytelling and everything like that. And I think, you get a good uh, look into Anakin and really the kind of person that he is, his uh, determination, his willingness to um, continue and persevere 
through hard times and things like that. And these things that are all a credit to him that eventually will, you know, contribute to his downfall, his, his unwillingness to quit in pursuit of protecting the people he loves, you know, stops him from being able to let go and so on and so on. So fight, mm, (laughs) contest. Yes. But a fight to me has to have more of a one-on-one, uh, aspect to it more or less like i know duel of the fates is is two on one but that kind of idea of here are these set of warriors that are doing battle not these uh you know contestants that are going against each other because if theoretically if you know sebulba doesn't do well in that race like anakin can still win the race, you know, or if Anakin, uh, you know, doesn't make it off the starting line, Sebulba could still win the race. Whereas if Maul and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon don't have that battle, like the things are completely different, like on a galactic level. Here's here's where I'm going to push back on that idea, because the duel of the fates isn't about Maul at all. Maul doesn't really have any motivation in this particular fight and why he's battling these two particular Jedi. Maul's only action here is as a tool of Palpatine to reveal to the Jedi that the Sith have returned and that things are in danger. He has no real goal in defeating either Obi-Wan Kenobi or Qui-Gon Jinn. He doesn't care. In fact, he doesn't know about Obi-Wan Kenobi at all. He's expecting Qui-Gon Jinn because he encountered him in the desert before they boarded the ship, but he has no idea that Kenobi's even a factor in this. He's chasing Qui-Gon Jinn in order to chase the Queen. That's it. He doesn't even know that Anakin is a thing. The duel over Anakin is between who is going to train him. Is it going to be Qui-Gon Jinn, or is it going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi? Maul is not really a factor in that aspect of the fight. Which is why I think see no 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 you can't say that because I absolutely believe that. no I was watching it this time and what is he doing on Naboo? What is Maul doing on Naboo? He's not there for Anakin at all. No one no knows he's not there for Anakin. No, I'll give you that he's not there for Anakin. But you can't say he's not a factor in the fate of Anakin because if Qui Gon lives, the f- f- no, that's I say he is a factor in it, but he it is not his motivation. The outcome of Anakin is a question of who is going to train him. Because it was going to be Qui-Gon Jinn, and the question that is resolved at the end of the fight is it's not going to be him anymore. It's going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi, which puts him on the path that he goes on. If the fight goes differently, imagine if Maul strikes down both the Jedi. That's a wholly different thing, but we know that's not going to happen because Obi-Wan Kenobi shows up 50 years later. So we know that's not an outcome. So the question of the fight is, what happens to Qui-Gon Jinn? Which, again, is spoiled by the soundtrack notes. Because we have Qui-Gon's noble end and his funeral sequence listed right there for us. But again, Maul is not there for Anakin. Not in terms of the character, nor in terms of the story. The story is asking the question of who's going to train the boy. That's what the fight is about. So then what's the question of the pod race? The pod race is, how are they going to get home? The Potteries is all about how are we going to get the queen back to safety because, and there's, and there's the question is there because Qui-Gon doesn't know what else to do. He has no other options at that point. And it, but doesn't that make it even more obvious that Anakin is going to win? Not necessarily. 
I don't think it does because just because the characters don't have another option doesn't mean the film couldn't have one in the end. Like if the first option, the first option for Qui Gon doesn't work out because his 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 action is go buy a thing, and he's met with resistance when he doesn't have the right kind of currency. So then he uses the he tries to use the Force to convince Watto, but then he runs into another barrier. This character's not susceptible to the Force. As flimsy of a gate as that is, it's what's there. And so the story is shepherding them to this particular race, but we don't know what happens at the end of the race. And the stakes for the race continue to increase. As not only is it just how are they going to afford things to get off the planet, but then Qui-Gon starts bartering for the lives of slaves, which is really uncomfortable the more you think about it. But even if the race doesn't go their way, Anakin stays on Tatooine and our heroes go off a completely different branch because as Qui-Gon says, he's not there to free slaves. Like Anakin is not his primary goal. Now do his affections change and does he find, does he start to see that there's something special about this boy? Yes. And that's why he tries to bring him along. So he's changing his goals. In other words, the conflict has a direct resulting uh, effect on the character. Now, when they go in to fight Maul, no one knows he's there. So that's why I think the Padres is firing on another cylinder because not only is it important how it ends, it's affecting the decisions that the characters are making. And that's a more interesting May. thing than simply there's a sword fight at the end that we got to get through. Well, but the the now, duel wait, of the wait, fates. Wait, wait, Hold on, one one, one one thing, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna st- I, and then I'll shut up. Okay, <laughs> Lindsay wants to yell at me. Come on. No, I no no. I want I want her to yell at you. Obi Wan. His decision to train Anakin is because of a promise he made to Qui-Gon when he died. So when you talk about, you know, the, it impacts the choices of the characters. If Qui-Gon doesn't die or isn't dying and asks Obi-Wan to train Anakin, Anakin doesn't get trained. So, Lindsay, go. Okay. Um, B, you, you are fighting the wrong fight here, my friend. Drew is an all too logical man and we let him go first. And in going first, we let him define the parameters and he defined the parameters within these five pillars. <laughs> I cannot all too argue, well, all too well. Also, I cannot argue entertainment or suspense. Although I would, I, the only thing I would argue is that they go hand in hand and by breaking them out in two different, synonyms oh, you sound I, more legit no, i disagree with that but okay all right all right we can choreography again can't really argue there because while we think choreography we would immediately go to dual fates and that's that so so i like the the direction you took this in impact <laughs> yes this has a a significant impact in the in the fact that it is a catalyst for everything else. I would argue other things have bigger impacts in terms of character-driven story. That I can certainly argue. But what I want to argue most right now is your fifth point, your fifth pillar of characterization. When we look at this, I would argue that any other fight in terms of prequel, original, sequel trilogy, you know, Star Wars story movies, whatever it is, anything else is better characterization. And that is strictly because of the original, off the top of my head, I want to say it's 12 pod racers. I forget the exact amount, but it's it's a handful of pod racers. Only one of them matters. 
And I don't think we really get to know him the best from this quote-unquote fight. Sebulba doesn't matter to the story, so I don't care how this story characterizes him. Who matters to the story? Anakin, Padme, Obi-Wan, Yoda, Mace Windu. They're not even there. But all these other characters who, who the way we get to know them and the way we get to interact with them we don't get to actually see their true colors in this scene or in this sequence. So Bulba doesn't matter. He's an ancillary character. I don't care what I learn about him through this quote-unquote fight scene. I like where your head's at, and I like the way that you, you tried to throw us for a loop. I just don't think that this is the most effective fight scene that you could pick to defend why the prequels have the best fights overall in the entire saga well okay first off that's that wasn't the question the question isn't that which is the best fight sequence from the prequels that's the best out of all the films and why it has the best Mm -hmm. that wasn't the question the question was out of these three movies which is the best so i'm not trying to say the prequels have the best fight scene in all all the movies at all I think it's important to have these characters who they are exactly who they are. You know, you, you, when you meet them, you mean they like are Maul? They are. I don't know. The, the tr- Maul comes with so much baggage now these days because we know that the fight yeah. was not the end of Maul by a long shot. And I'm worried about how much that affects things from personally, the way in which I view the movie now, because while the movie kills him, the story doesn't. And, I, and I'm, I'm concerned about that. And that, I don't count that as a strike against that particular fight. It's just Maul himself is such a character that comes loaded. I mean, he shows up in Solo for crying out loud. So we know even by the rules of the films themselves, it's not the end of the boy. Well, more, more, more to come on ClashingSabers.net in the near future with regards to that. <laughs> oh, and there were, there were 18 racers, uh, Lindsay. I'm going to push my glasses as far away. 18, you said? There were 18. Would you like me to list them in order of who of their ranking as who won the race and whatnot? No. Real quick, I want you to do it alphabetically. Wait, I take it back. Oh, you probably have a spreadsheet, and it's going to sound like you <laughs> did I could tell you which six actually finished the race and the rest of them who did not. <laughs> uh, see, I would even... There's just so many other things that would come before, because I think Lindsay's spot on, like, the characters don't matter to that like if you take any other racer and put them in Sebulba's place and have him you know have that racer crash up against Anakin it's the exact same story whereas if you take Dooku and put him in Phantom Menace it changes that fight you know, like I think the the difference well, characterization what I'm talking about here is the way in which the characters behave matches their their matches the actions match the character and it is a defining characteristic of that person wait wait, hold hold on hold on so then are you saying that maul's actions are not in character no here's what i'm saying is that sebulba has a unique approach to the way in which he fights his fights and he does it through those tricks and the sabotage and whatnot this is as opposed to if you take every lightsaber fight and line them all up against one another. The only one who's different out of all of those combatants is Grievous, is because he's able to use them in a way in which nobody else does. 
Now, Anakin stands out as probably one of the best two-handed fighters, and Maul stands out with the d- double-bladed lightsaber. But by and large, all of our lightsaber combatants fight in the same kind of way, sword hand-to-hand. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But when we look at like the stunt coordination and, the, the, again, the choreography of the events, it's all done by the same guy. So when we're looking at how these things are constructed, the similarities between the Duel of the Fates fight and the, uh, the Revenge of the Sith fight and most of the Battle of Geonosis lightsaber fights are so similar that they lack those elements to make them stand out and distinct and, and, and draw these characterizations and show us why why is Anakin considered a great swords fighter when he loses every fight he's ever in that we see? Why is Obi-Wan Kenobi considered a, a great student of all these different forms when we only see him behave the same way every time? So the way in which Sebulba races is different from the only other character who has a set pattern of way he does things, Anakin. Lindsay's right that most of the other racers are basically just carbon copies of one another. They're, they are there to demonstrate, one, where we are in the race, and two, really cool explosion effects that they developed back in the late 90s. I'm okay with that mm-hmm. because th- what matters most is the end of that third lap where Sebulba, who we know has a history of flashing his vents at Anakin and throwing tools and sabotaging pod racers and, and pushing people up those the off-ramps and whatnot, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. So the question we're forced to ask is, one, what's he going to do to Anakin? And two, how is Anakin going to respond? Because we don't know that. We know how Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi are going to handle Darth Maul. They're going to lightsaber him to death. Nothing wrong with that, but we know that answer. We know how those fights are going to end. And in fact, it's become such a trope in these films, somebody loses an arm in every single lightsaber fight just about. You know, Anakin loses his. You know, Dooku loses his aboard General Grievous's flagship at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. We just we know these things are coming, but when you've got something that's unique and different from the rest of the stories, it stands out and apart from the rest of these instances. So that's why I, I wanted to I zeroed in on that because there's simply nothing else like it in the rest of these films. And I just skipped over much of the Attack of the Clones. I'm sorry, guys. I can't defend. No, I, no, I will give you, I'll give you that. that much. Attack of the Clones has nothing. In terms you know, of it, my- do you know when when Jango Fett and Obi Wan are fighting? They reuse the same footage in like two or three different reaction shots from Obi Wan. They just mirror image the 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 film cells. It's like, come on, killing me. All right, Lindsay. I'm gonna let you take it and take it to the original trilogy. What do you got for us? And why is it Return of the Jedi? I mean. What do you got for us? Okay, so here's the problem. If we go by Drew's standards, and that's, you know me, like, I want to I wanna keep it consistent. I want to be able to defend my point. If we keep it on those five pillars, it should actually be, and, and this is off the top of my head, but hearing Drew's, Drew's argument for, you know, the podcast, or, or the, the pod race, um, race, it should be, Job of the Huts at the Sarlacc pit, <laughs> like wow. that's that has yeah. Based on based on your assessment, I mean, I had going into this my own thought, but based on the way you took it, it should absolutely be the Sarlacc pit because that has you know it, it's obviously entertaining for a variety of reasons. It is suspenseful because we have all main three characters there. We don't necessarily know where each one of them is going to end up. True. 
we could, we very well could lose Han, but walk out with two other characters. Or, you know, we, we very easily could lose one of our main characters and walk out with two others. Choreography, like, yeah, that's, you know, we have R2-D2 shooting a lightsaber out of himself. How cool is that moment? It's so amazing. The, the the biggest thing where it kind of lacks is almost even the impact. Like, yeah, they save Han. Yeah, they mm. take down, ha- down, t- down Tatooine. There's now a successful conclusion for the story of what happens on Tatooine for the time being. And, of course, characterization. Like, we have Leia becoming the hut slayer. You know, what's what's better than that? <laughs> and that's why I struggle because... I'm here, I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, I have this layup, right? Like, you guys asked me to defend the original trilogy. Of course, I am going to pick between one of the two greatest fight scenes of all time in Empire Strikes Back, where that seems like the layup because we have Vader now sitting here giving us probably the the best plot twist we've been given up till this point. You know, it's it's 1980. We've never seen anything like Luke, I am your father. Mm. You know, like this is a big thing. And this obviously has this emotional component. And it's a beautiful fight scene. And we we have all of this coming together in Empire Strikes Back. Like, this is easy enough. But, but, being that I've been friends with Brandon for so long, and being that I have had... <laughs> To listen to, I, I don't want to say had to listen to him. It's always a pleasure. Uh, but being that I have. Always. Mm. Oh, uh, but, but I've listened to you talk How about. How many times can we talk about the dark caves? Not even, not even the caves. I was oh, thinking, we can talk about it a lot. You want to do it right now? We can do it right now. <laughs> In Return of the Jedi, though, you know, like he, he always so beautifully defends this entire scene. And how this is the scene where we see Luke really and truly show who he really is. And he, you know, despite being faced with all of this power and all this glory and a safe kind of exit strategy, I guess, he, he turns it all down. Because this is who Luke is. And we really get to see this. But, Drew, based on your kind of five pillars, I am tempted to sit here and say that, yeah, <laughs> Jabba's skiff is the best <laughs> is the best fight scene that there is in the original trilogy. Because we get all of this. It mm. is so entertaining. Because even when I was nine years old and I was sitting there watching it, if I look at all of the other fight scenes in the original trilogy, I didn't get them the first time around, or I didn't get them to their, their true fullest potential the first time around. You know, it took a few more times and it took all of these conversations with Brandon to really appreciate them for everything that they were. But, but being nine years old, watching this entire, you know, God, I don't even want to call it a fight scene but for argument's sake i will (laughs) watching this fight scene play out yeah you're 
entertained. You can be nine years old and you can still be captivated it the same way I was when I was 29 watching it. You know, it, it just keeps you entertained. And suspense, I'm still struggling to find out how you differentiated between the two of them. But yeah, it's suspenseful. Because, like I said before, you don't know who's going to make it out alive. When you're when you're watching Luke on the Death Star and Luke on Bespin, you get a good feeling for who's going to make it out alive. You know who the mm. who the hero of the story is, and you you feel safe, and you have that hero shield on. But when you have all three of your heroes together, there's a very real chance one of them might not make it, and that to me makes it suspenseful. Choreography again. R2-D2 shoots a lightsaber out. <laughs> I don't think I need to do that. And I think suspense-wise, you have to consider also the fact that like you have these characters coming in at different times. It feels like they're separated from each other even though they have some kind of plan together. And the tension that is built because they get literally right on the edge of failure, you know? Uh, right before Luke is about to, you know, be pushed into the Sarlacc pit, that's when it turns. So I think of all of them, you know, entertainment and suspense are, are the top two there. I wouldn't even say that much because I still think that the impact of this this part is so important, you know. Maybe, uh, actually, no, I would still say with Luke because now we see him having the confidence, you know, where he knows he is close enough to the force where he can pull these things off. Whereas before it was Yoda and the ghost of Obi-Wan saying, no, you can't do this yet. You're not well-trained. Now he can go back to them and say, look at what I've done. You know, I, I manipulated these situations. I was in tune enough with the force to sense these things, even under extreme duress. So Luke still has that impact. Leia, obviously, Hut Slayer, don't need to defend that anymore. Like this is this is the most like hardcore Leia being dressed as a, a freaking slave, still wraps her literal chain, not even figurative, her literal chain around her slave master and chokes him out. You know, that's impactful. And now we have we have Han and we have Lando being redeemed, but we have we have Han still being able to fight his way out and and knowing, okay, I'm going to go back to the rebellion after this. Because Han's entire reasoning for never tying himself down to the rebellion was I have all these debts. You know, I, I can't pretend I'm this good guy. I have all of these debts that I have to pay off. He doesn't have those anymore. Now he gets to be his true self. Now he gets to be the wow, genuine altruistic yeah. good guy. So, so it arguably has the biggest impact on Han's character because we, we just freed him of all of these other things and we get to see his true colors and these are his true colors. It's being in love with Leia, being in love with the Rebellion and going back in and fighting the good fight. So when we look at the impact of the story, this hits all three characters plus Lando at this point. And then characterization, I think, kind of just speaks to that, where it's it's their fighting styles and the fact that mm-hmm. the three of them, despite never having discussed this plan, know exactly what the other one's going to do and know how they have to play off of it. 
Brandon, I think Lindsay just uh, took that whole Death Star 2 battle and flushed it down the drain. How do you feel about that? I mean, I wouldn't say that much, but I definitely think, you know... I heard her say it was the worst part of that film. That's what I heard her say. Well, yeah, you... My least favorite fight is... <laughs> God. <laughs> the pod race. Um, you hush. Lizzie, that's amazing. I, I I think you are spot on on all of those things. I think that's fantastic. And again, this um, is all I did not I did not expect to defend this team at all. I didn't even think you, you know, would just, bring it up. But based on your per, based on your parameters, because I like your parameters and I like where you took it, I'll help you out and I'll help me out, and then let's just destroy Brandon as a team. Oh, since I, I don't I'm know music. There with you. Let's, let's totally do it. <laughs> I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't honestly didn't go with like a like a space battle, like the first Death Star battle or something like that. Like, what was your original before I just swooped in and and made things so rosy colored for you? What was your original argument gonna be? My original, I was fully ready to just, make Brandon proud and defend the Return of the Jedi Death Star <laughs> Two. You know, Luke okay. versus Palpatine battle, and it seems like a layup, but now this seems like more of a layup. Well, it's nice when things work out. It's nice when things work out like that, where you've got you know, having a set of <laughs> rules like that. Brennan, this is all your fault because you didn't give me the proper amount of constraints, so I had to come up with them myself, man. But see, I don't have. A, okay, I don't think it's the. <laughs> I don't think it's the most important fight of the original trilogy, but I it does hit all of your parameters, like Lindsay said, very very well, and the fact that it's a. One thing that takes away from the Death Star 2 battle is the cuts. I'm as much as they are a Star Wars thing, the cuts to me can really take away because when you go like if you go to the originals, it, when you take away from Duel of the Fates or you go away from Duel of the Fates to the Gungans battling the battle droids, it's not as exciting, you know, or when you, uh, you know, even uh, Rise of Skywalker, you go from, you know, the Palpatine, Ben, Ray stuff to a kind of, in my opinion, second tier, uh, you know, battle in, in space and on the Star Destroyers and stuff that's really cool with a lot of explosions and action and stuff like that, but not really deep with a lot of, you know, story. Whereas with this battle in, you know, ta on Tatooine, you cut to different characters, but they're all fighting together. And that's something that we haven't had since not even not even the Battle of the, the Death Star, but actually, you know, the escape from the Death Star. Because when you really think about the actual battle of the Death Star, like Han swoops in last minute, like he gets his credit. Leia doesn't, she doesn't really play a role in that fight in and of itself like she gets the death star plans there but she's standing there observing she doesn't have the position yet to yeah. make influence or anything right so this is the the last time that we saw these characters actually all fighting in tandem was escaping the death star and that was the first time that they met and now through all the trials that they have gone through you know uh together now we are actually getting to see you know the return of the jedi i is the track name, but I think it's a lot bigger than just the return of the Jedi. I think it's the return of the idea and the hope that Jedi can inspire. Um, and when you think about characters like Qui-Gon or characters um, even like, you know, Yoda or like we're seeing in uh, in the High Republic, like Avar Chris, like 
these characters, the idea of them can inspire others to do things that they maybe wouldn't have considered themselves capable of doing before. Not that Han and Leia wouldn't have considered themselves capable of doing what they do in that fight, but just it, the having the Jedi around it makes everyone else better because then you have, even if it's just the idea, even if the execution of the Jedi isn't perfect, the idea of the Jedi makes people better. Right. And to, to give a a real world analogy, you know, because of course Jedi and religion and faith and stuff, it's all interconnected. Even, Though churches and I'll just say churches, but you know every religious organization, it has its flaws, it has its bad people, it has uh, its its errors and its its fallacies. At the end of the day, the idea of a group of people coming together, believing in something, believing in something more than themselves, and working towards honoring that to better other people is a good thing, you know, and that is the ideal that the Jedi present. So this moment of getting that back and getting that back with our heroes and all of them together. And really this is the only time we all, we see them all in the same space, fighting the same fight. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, our, the main three heroes only spend one scene together in empire strikes back. And before that, like you said, escaping the Death Star the, during the detention block corridor and then on the Falcon is when all three of them are together actually doing things. It's crazy. It's crazy how little time they actually spend all together, the three of them, until you get to Return of the Jedi when they're on screen all together for a lot of the film. Yeah. Well, and, you know, especially they are on together for a lot of the film, but also like Leia separated from them a while. Then Luke separated from them a while. It's the great thing about things like the comics is you get that extra time to spend with them, you know, working together and you get to see really why they evolved the way that they did. Because it's important, you know, I, I think that the, the way the three of them interact together, very, very important in in the main storyline. Uh, but it's also important just in their individual stories when we look at the ancillary material, you know, if if you don't understand who Han is without the other two, and you don't understand who Leia is without the other two, everything else kind of falls flat. So it's mm. it's in a way very good that we get to see how they how they uh, I guess I don't even want to say grow, but how they respond to situations without having the other two to fall back on. But at the same time, when they know one of the other two is an option, they take it immediately. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the really good part of those, you know, that main relationship is they don't need each other, but they're so much stronger with each other. Yeah, I absolutely think you're, you're spot on there. I can't believe we're landing on Jabba's palace uh, destruction and the rebellion's overthrow of a criminal You did this. You I- <laughs> did this, not me. Oh, no, no, no. I'm proud of yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> we said we wanted to go out of the norm. Okay, so well, I'm going to move on to the sequels. I want to know, each of you, I want you to guess what you think mine is going to be. Drew, you go first. What do you think? No, I, I need Lindsay to, uh, to go first so I can think about it for a minute. I gotta replay all three films in my head for a minute. No, 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 Drew, you go first. One, oh, two, three, no, go. I can't do this. I can't do this. One, What's two, three, go. No, Which one no, am I gonna no. pick? 
well, what was the question you asked? What, what criteria did you set for yourself? What's the best fight in the sequels? Well, see, the, here's, my, here's my problem. What do you mean by best? Mm. <laughs> I'm not going to give you that. I'll explain it once I... The point is just for you to guess here. I'll explain... All right, Brandon well thinks. <laughs> Brandon thinks the best fight in the sequel trilogy. Good stalling. Is Keep going. When Kylo Ren is force interrogating Rey after she's been kidnapped uh, after Mos Kanata's castle. Okay. Bull. Possibly. Bull. That's your Lindsay. Answer. I don't know, man. I'm going to go with the force Skype scene between Rey when she is in Kylo's room and while Kylo is on Kim J. Mm. Oh, so wait, Rise okay. of Skywalker? Yeah. Not. Oh, interesting. I forgot that was a thing. I honestly never even considered that. <gasps> yeah. So, so you're the only one you who regret your life decisions now? No, not at all. <laughs> Here's the thing. Okay. The best fight of the sequels, when we look at just like actual fight scene oh, choreography, I know what it is. No, of course, it's it's crate. You're gonna say no, 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 no. Just the best yeah. when you're looking at just a fight in and of itself is the throne room scene, and it's my favorite. However, the fight itself isn't necessarily very deep, and that's what I was looking for. There's something in it to say about the foreshadowing of, you know, the potential of the dyad working together. Um, and, and Drew, like you said, as far as Last Jedi goes, the confrontation between Ben and Luke is the most important, yeah. but I'm not, I didn't qualify that as a fight because to me, the point is that they don't fight. That it's not, it is a <laughs> confrontation, but no, it's a confrontation, but not a fight. To me, fight con- contains physicality uh, of some sort. And I have no idea where you're going. This is fascinating. So I can't wait. Last Jedi being my favorite of the sequels. Off, I can't wait. Brought these two things to my mind. <laughs> too much. Um, so th- when Last Jedi didn't didn't work, I said, okay, Return of the Jedi. I know how important that fight is at the end there. So I'm going to look at, at Rise of Skywalker and see if there's something equally important. And I would think the closest thing we could connect to that fight would be Ben's redemption. But it doesn't, to me, it doesn't have the same gravitas, which is why it happens at the middle of the film and not at the end of the film. The fight itself is great, and I love that they are fighting on the ruins of the old war and everything that that means. I think it possibly could have been the best fight if there was music. I I think that is one place, really the only place in all of the films where they don't have music where I think it actually suffers from not having music and not bringing back some variant of Duel of the Fates or Battle of the Heroes or something that alludes to the larger story. So, after eliminating those two movies, we go to The Force Awakens. <laughs> and if, when, any, if anyone thought my introduction was convoluted, just hold tight. <laughs> when it comes to The Force Awakens... I think we need a preview of this episode with just I that feel like line. there should be like a PowerPoint presentation that goes along with this. <laughs> All right, when it comes don't don't you hear my clicker going? I'm I've got it. When it comes to the Force Awakens. All right. When it so, comes to surprises and the moonlit night. <laughs> All right. So 
I think as far as fights go in The Force Awakens, you have two that stand out that have been something that people come back to. One of them is the traitor trooper fight because it's just memeable. Okay. It's so it's memorable there, but it is definitely not the best fight um, far by far. The best fight in the sequels, the most important fight in the sequels is the lightsaber duel in the forest and particularly the fight between Ray and Kylo. Mm. So, all right, I'm in. There's there's a lot a lot about this scene that I love and again my parameter was pretty simple I think it does hit for the most part Drew your five pillars my parameter was depth and meaning for the larger story um, now I think that there is you know the choreography and the setting are absolutely fantastic um, I love that there are trees and snow which to me you know is kind of representative of this time of change. Um, the trees in the winter are holding on to whatever is left of their life, kind of like both Kylo and Rey are um, when they get into uh, the fight here. Then you have Kylo, which, I mean, this was the moment where it just became, you know, killing Han was tragic and, and painful for us to watch and everything like that. But the part that, like, I really stood out to me when I left the theater uh, was Kylo having to hit himself after his bla- uh, you know, where his blaster wound was at, just to summon the dark side. The whole film, you have this idea that he is either completely unhinged as an individual or he's someone not fully committed to this identity he's created. And this moment's a testament to that. He just committed patricide, this terrible act of killing his own father. He says thank you to him after he does it. Uh, let's not forget that because that hits me every time. But it's still not enough. He still isn't consumed by the dark. And so for me, this was the first time when he's hitting himself there that I felt like we're guaranteed a redemption arc with this character. And I had already kind of really fallen in love with the development of the character and like that idea. So then you have Ray. Um, and for me, more than anything, this is really her moment. And I remember a lot of people were surprised in the theater that it was Ray who called the lightsaber and not Luke and and more so that Lay was or excuse me not Leia Ray was going to be the central Jedi figure. Um, but for me the movie kind of made that pretty clear. Um, and this is that moment of her finally accepting the call. So when you consider the mythology that has been created around kyber crystals and and how they're alive, I think that even takes it to a whole nother level because the saber chooses her not one of the Skywalker bloodline, which of course sets up the idea that bloodline is not everything that gets paid off in Rise of Skywalker. But the biggest reason that I think this is the best and most important fight of the sequels is the splitting of Starkiller base. This is a moment where plotline meets metaphor to me with near perfection. The planet's falling apart because of the resistant, you know, destroying the oscillator and all of that stuff. And, this place where Kylo and Rey are fighting is literally being separated by the force itself. The, the dyad has finally connected, but Kylo is offering to take Rey down the dark path with him. And by splitting them apart, by creating this gap between them, the force is doing two things. It's preventing the dark union um, because it's supposed to be a union of the light. And two, it is showing these characters and, and 
thus, you know, us as the audience, how far these characters have to go until they will actually be able to unite. So when you consider all of that, when you consider how the scene is executed on all of these different levels, how it sets up the tension between them in The Last Jedi and eventually the payoff in Rise of Skywalker, I think this is the most important and best fight of the sequel trilogy. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) I am surprised you did not go with Luke on crate. I don't understand at all why that didn't meet your 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 criteria because the point of that is it's not a fight but that's what makes it good like oh uh, no doubt but i like i said my parameters included physicality and i don't think yours necessarily did but i mean can you are the way that that scene is shot with like luke's foot sliding across the snow leaving no trail immediately after we see kylo's leave the you know the red trail behind it like no, no, no! You're you're confusing choreography and physicality. No, I, I don't think so. Because yeah, the yes, scene, the, the movie's telling you something, but it's telling you a different story at the same time, and it's using their actions to do so. Like it's giving you all the information, but you don't know what the puzzle looks like. You have these pieces, but you don't know what the actual top of the puzzle looks like. I, I, I am flabbergasted, but I get it. I guess. Lindsay, tear him apart. Do you get it? I mean... Do you get it? Because I'm still I not love sure. The, I, I love that Just, scene, just because I can't... Again, no, 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 but that's that, like, I kind of agree with you where it could have been great. And, and I know my original thought was, you know, the four Skype scene. I'm kind of going to stick with that. I think that the four Skype scene... <laughs> Where where he's on Kimji and we are on you know with Ray, we're in basically his bedroom. Like that to me is the best, most influential fight scene because we find things out about Ray and we find out what what Ben is willing to give up in terms of information and and knowledge and control. I think we just learn so much more in that scene. And on top of that, it's so much more entertaining. And we learn more about the Force in that scene and the way that they're interacting with each other in the dyad. That, to me, is the the pinnacle fight scene in the sequel trilogy. Uh, we learn more about Kylo and Rey on Starkiller than we do on... On the Kim G sports guy fight. I disagree. I disagree. I mean, in terms of just personal history and again, in terms of where Ben is willing to take this and the control he's willing to give up, I think we learn more in the Rise of Skywalker scene. But we learn so much about his desperation for belonging on Starkiller. He is trying to cling to anything he feels that can help him to uphold this facade that he's created. He just killed his father and it's not enough. He's beating himself and it's not enough. He is trying to get Ray to look at him as a teacher because if he, if he can become a teacher, then he is validated. Somebody is looking to him for knowledge and thus he, it becomes a beacon of knowledge. He is so desperate for something to help him cling to the dark side. And then you have Ray, who has spent the entire movie denying 
her you know place in this larger story denying that she could be something more than just a scavenger on Jakku and she finally accepts that reality whereas i think when you're looking at that aspect in that you know fight in the in his bedroom she we haven't had that build up in my opinion of her darkness in the way that rise of skywalker tries to present it we 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 have that she feels lost and that she's searching for you know her family and everything like that but this idea that she is so pushed to the dark side that rise of skywalker presents while i like it in the context of that story i don't think it fits with the larger narrative where this really fits perfectly with the idea that she says you know in last jedi of something is awakened me and i don't know what to do with it this is that moment where it awakens this is the moment where cheesily enough the force awakens you know what i mean like this is where the force finally has figured out how to create this union this dyad that is eventually going to bring you know the balance to the back to the force and that union is at a tipping point right there because if ray makes a different decision if she says you know what i don't know anything about the force i'm terrified of this power i don't care i'm gonna learn from somebody who does know something about it i'm gonna take whatever i can get because luke skywalker hasn't been seen in years and i don't know who else to go to the entire galaxy falls apart whereas it doesn't fall apart if things go differently in that four skype battle i don't know that her looking to Kylo Ren as a teacher was ever a realistic conclusion though that wasn't a choice for her yeah. she's already identified him as a monster now the battle does say a lot more about Ben in that moment i mean you're not wrong about where the the impact of the legacy saber but i don't but what is that almost what does the force more- skype show us like what does that fight actually show us about them i think Lindsay might i mean that they're connected one. in a very physical way the the whole you know the the essentially the beads kind of falling across the floor and both of them being able to see it and step on it like it it shows that it's more of just a figurative or mental connection like it's a very physical connection at this point and now we have the the added bonus too of uncovering Ray's lineage and seeing who her parents are and having that incredibly drawn out final conclusion. Whereas, whereas in force awakens, everything is still just presenting questions as it should be in the first of three movies. Everything is still very much presenting questions. Maybe if the answer to those questions had been more satisfying, then that fight would have had and that's, a chance. That's though. That's that's a matter of opinion. Because no, it, it is. Yeah, because to me, it was satisfying. And to me, like the idea of Ray being a Palpatine is, I mean, it just there's no world in which it works for me. Whereas. If you and I think that that doesn't that, make that doesn't that doesn't make the fight scene any less impactful because just because you don't like that she's a Palpatine doesn't mean that we don't get that information we don't get that you know that 
Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, the, but, but but we get the information. Plus, 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 we now have a very, it is an exciting scene because we're learning so much about the Force and their connection. And we are learning about Ben slash Kylo because for the first time, it's not him being, you know, the the puppet behind or the puppet that Snoke is controlling or the puppet that Palpatine is controlling, we're starting to figure out what he wants and how he's going to go about getting it and the actual power that he has. Mm. That's not a bad point, but I, I, I think Brandon's original argument was kind of the same thing is that the agency of the character is made apparent in these action sequences. Yeah. But I mean, I think L- Lindsay makes a good point because that fight there in Rise of Skywalker at least sets up a lot of things, a lot of questions, a lot of possibility, like because of the bead transfer back and forth sets up the saber transfer at the end of the film. So that conflict sets up a lot of stuff. So there's a lot of utilitarian application there. Like it does (laughs) stuff for the movie. When the force awakens, what is that fight doing within terms of the like why does so ray and finn are escaping star killer base they're heading back to the falcon why is kylo chasing them like why does he make that appearance there because of the skywalker saber like to him having that saber is validation and so when but he didn't know she had that finn had it on the Takadana? Is that the name of the plane? Yeah. But Kylo Ren never saw that. The saber stays with Finn. He doesn't know Ray has it. In fact, Ray doesn't have it. Finn has it during the fight. That's right. He starts out with it and he gets his butt kicked, unfortunately. And then that's when Ray c- calls it. And so. I mean, he does say that saber. lightsaber belongs to me. But only after the, you know. It's it's apparent that it's there. Like, that's is fair. Is there a scene? Is there a scene where he sees that lightsaber earlier on? And also, how does he know? And why does that saber belong? To it doesn't belong. I, I don't like that line. That saber belongs to me. I do not like that line. Does not work. But see, when you're talking about setting up, you know, the future, like that moment really truly sets up everything that you're talking about in Rise of Skywalker because one. It sets up the the transfer because he finally does, when he becomes his true self as Ben Solo, he does get to wield that saber. It sets up the uh, the tension between Rey and Kylo throughout the entire trilogy and their interconnectedness both you know, in a dyad sense but also in the sense of the push and pull they have you know, with how much they should trust each other and to what extent they are, you know, uh, friends or something more versus enemies versus like that whole tension that's there. And then, uh, you, you talk about, you talk about the abilities of the force. And to me, like visually the, the abilities of the force are right there. The story of the force is right there in the splitting of the planet. Like it is literally separating these two because they are not ready to be together because they have not, developed the way that they need to develop for the dyad to reach its full potential which it gets when he does get that saber in rise of skywalker and we get that that transfer and and that is the best moment 
in the sequel trilogy is that that transfer of the lightsaber and it doesn't happen you know you talk about the physicality Lindsay, of that uh, you know of their fight on kajimi in, in the force skype battle or whatever we're going to call it the physicality like they're literally connected right there it zooms in the, the the camera gets right up in their faces in a way that we don't really get uh you know with the two of them together any other time in the sequel trilogy and it's it's saying this is you have the red you have the blue you have the planet splitting around them it's showing that it's this is literally the battle for the soul of the force oh man or you're stretching with that, I, I think. I, I really do. It's it's a climax to the film. I mean, if if the, if it occurred in the first act of a film, I'd give you more credibility in the way in which you're trying to argue it sets things up. But all the things you're talking about, the dyad, the connection, the separation, the union, and all that stuff, is established with other elements in the other films. I don't think that's a thing that's really played out in this particular moment. I, th- I think it's much more just to show a-, a little bit more basic of the conflict between these two. And uh, uh, there's definitely a connection between them, but it's already established by then. Like, you have the invasion of each other's minds by each person, like, in the interrogation sequence, which is why it came to my mind first. I really thought you were going to go with that because that's the moment the two of them are joined. It's, they've literally jumped into each other's minds and, and, and swam around in there. One of the by force, they're 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 imposing their own strings and wills upon the other person. So that's where the mixture occurs. If anything, I think maybe the lightsaber battle is a lot more. Boy, it's not even allegory at that point. It's ham-fisted kind of like cataclysmic battle. So earth, it's literally earth-shattering, and that's kind of what I think. it's trying to portray there. I don't know. I think you're giving it a lot of credibility that it does not earn at that point. It benefits from that in hindsight. Now that we have all three films, I can see where if you put all three of those together in one cohesive story, that moment does indeed echo these other things later to come. But I be honest with yourself. Do you think that stuff was there when that first came out in 2015 or are we just kind of retroactively putting things together in a way we like? Um, I mean, I, I think, think we're retroactive. No, no, no. I will. Either way is bad. Not that either way is bad. I don't want anybody to think that. I'm, no, I will definitely say it's retroactive because the the sequels were not figured out beforehand, right? Whereas your argument for the pod race is set up with George Lucas knowing where everything's going, and the scene in Return of the Jedi is after two movies of of setup and separation of these characters and and if we're going to look at you know that argument of well can you separate it or or so on and so forth like the return of the jedi stuff that benefits from having an entire movie where we want these characters back together and every time they get close to getting back together they're pushed farther apart Mm. right if you spend Empire Strikes Back and it's all of them going to on this adventure together and then at the very end Han gets frozen in carbonite and then the beginning of the next movie they're freeing him from carbonite, not as impactful. You've already seen that they can be successful together, right? And with with this, yes, it does. It benefits from the, the payoffs later. Absolutely. When you look at it just as, when we're looking at them just as individual films, 
this I mean, it is the best yeah. in the Force. No, hold on, hold on. It's the best no. in the Force Awakens. Clearly, when you look at them all as separate, hold, when you you cannot you cannot say that this is not the best fight in the Force Awakens. I'll, I'll think about it while you're talking to see if I can come up with it. Because the interrogation scene is not a fight; it's a confrontation. What? They are two different. Oh, they're no, not no, fighting. No. They are. What are you talking about? Okay, yes, so of course they so, are. So let me ask you this: when you get angry at somebody when you're driving down the road and you start to yell at them. Do you consider that a fight with the other person? That's not what's happening. The, this, it's, it's two lawyers arguing before a mediator, except in this case the mediator is the audience in the film. It's absolutely two, two people engaged in back and forth trying to overcome the other. What, what else is a fight? If not, the contest of two wills, each trying to exert their, their own over the other. Does a you fight mean like a duel have to mean brass knuckles? Yeah. <laughs> then you need to turn off the UFC, my friend, and start watching the last thing <laughs> again. I I just I just think that anything other than the the four Skype scene really is just a setup. It really is just setting things up and and building the suspense for something that's going to happen later on. Where, you know, as as great of a fight scene as this is, it doesn't answer any of my questions. It doesn't create mm. the entertainment and the suspense and, and certainly not the impact. It's just telling me what questions I need to ask later on that may or may not be settled in the future. You know, this is setting up the J.J. Abrams lost polar bear where maybe this will be resolved <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it will. <laughs> I went there. Nice, Did it. Paul. We've gone. We have gone. How many years without talking about this on this the podcast? I'm gonna do it bear. now. But oh, now I have to think about the hydro station for the bear, first time. Oh. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, but Gee, but that's just it. Tough, with, with this, this specific is... fight scene, like, yeah, it it just doesn't have what I think needs to be considered to be able to say that of these three movies, this is the best and the most impactful. Because look, if we go by choreography, it's the last Jedi throne room. Hands down. You know, the the whole her throwing the light like there's there's Oh yeah. But there's not a lot of depth you know, to that story. Cool. Moments. Cool. No, there's not, which is why we know. can't go for it. But I okay, think I have right, to stand right, up for it. the Raylo audience Go and say it. there's absolutely depth in that sequence. Now, this is not a particular approach to the films that I would like to defend normally, but you can't say that that sequence doesn't demonstrate the the level of commitment that those two characters are willing to invest in each other. They're tra- they're they're entrusting their lives to one another too. Who Look at how they end the fight on Starkiller Base and where they come to in that confrontation in Snoke's throne room. You can't tell me that that is not a clear demonstration of the evolution of these two individuals and the way in which they both they both look to pursue the future together. It's clear back to back. Brandon, I'm a little disappointed in you discounting this sequence as much as you have. The this was your favorite moment, Chai of Crate, before Rise of Skywalker came out. I th- no, this is in this conversation might be su- be suffering from poisoned well syndrome right now. No, when you look at the fight, not the scene, not 
the stuff that happens around it, not the killing of Snoke, not what happens afterwards where they Ben tries to get her to join him again and she tries to get him not to go. When you look at just the fight itself, yes, it is showing the potential of the dyad, but that doesn't happen without the pain of them being separated in The Force Awakens. Like, it doesn't... The setup, yes, you're, y'all are arguing that, that the the battle on Starkiller Base is all set up, and that's why it is important. It sets up everything in a way that none of the other ones did. You know, like, Duel of the Fates, if you don't have time to, like, sit and think about it, can be, more or less, it can be, you know, dismissed as, yeah, we needed Qui-Gon to die so Obi-Wan could train Anakin. You know, like, you could make that argument. I wouldn't make it, but it's there. <laughs> The end of A New Hope, that battle, you know, between Ben and Obi-Wan, or excuse me, between Vader and Obi-Wan, super important, but it doesn't set up all the questions of the future that you're going to focus on for the remaining trilogies. It it shows you the power of the Force, and it's important in that way. Y'all are arguing that it's not the best because it doesn't pay off everything, and that's the point. It sets up the tension. Now... The throne room scene in Last Jedi, that's one you sit down and you watch no matter what else is on. You put your phone down. You're not messing around with anything else while that's on. It is the best choreographed scene. It is possibly the most beautiful scene in all of Star Wars. And as the Raylo on this podcast, I absolutely see its value. But when you're looking at the meaning and the character development in, in the story, it happens around that fight more than it happens in that fight. The stuff after the fight, the breaking of the lightsaber, him reaching out his hand to her and saying, please, those are the things that really, really matter there. Whereas the actual physicality and the physical contest and the physical lightsaber duel between the two, which qualifies as a fight and a fight scene, is what really matters in The Force Awakens. And Lindsay, I 100% see your point about the potential and setting up everything else in The Rise of Skywalker, but it doesn't it doesn't have the same gravitas as the hero stepping into herself, as the completely unhinged, uh, you know, Kylo Ren really being desperate for anything to help him cling to the dark side. He is absolutely a puppet, of uh palpatine in that moment there's no doubt about that so to me yes is it set up absolutely and it's perfect setup but by that logic by that logic if you're saying that you would rather see you know this this quote-unquote villain try and hang on to the last bit of his villainess you still get that in the rise of skywalker scene he's saying like hey this is he's he's trying to manipulate ray just enough where he is justified in staying in this fight a little bit longer. Which is exactly what he's doing when he says, you need a teacher. He is trying to be validated. Okay, look. He is trying to be validated by having somebody... But he does it better. He does it better in Rise of Skywalker. He's doing the same thing. He just does it better now. But he's doing it again. 
He's trying and he's tried in the last Jedi and it failed. And yes, he tries in Rise of Skywalker and it fails. But the first time that we see him trying to be validated by somebody else showing him that he's important is in that moment in The Force Awakens because he is and I and I I'll just be frank, I see it all the time is somebody starts teaching because they feel like they're going to be validated if people look to them as a teacher. And that doesn't make you a good teacher. It just makes you a person in a room that other people are looking to. That's where Kylo's at. He is desperate for somebody to say, hey, you know what you're doing. Hey, I want to learn from you. That's what's happening there in The Force Awakens. He is desperate for somebody to validate him. Where when we get to Rise of Skywalker... He now has this false sense of validation in himself because he's risen to this position of power that he doesn't have in The Force Awakens. And the point of his journey in that movie is finally realizing he can't get somebody to follow him and he can't get enough power to ever satisfy and validate himself. And to me, that all happens in the scene on the second Death Star when he has all the power, when he feels in control and he is killed by his own blade. Like that, if we're even arguing the best fights in that most important fights in the rise of Skywalker, it's the Death Star battle. Like without a shadow of a doubt, Kajimi is a setup. Kajimi is Tatooine, Qui-Gon versus, versus Maul. Here's the tension that's going to exist in the movie. It's great. Trust me. I love that fight. I think it's fantastic. I love both of them. But it is nowhere even... If it's not even the most important fight or the best fight in its own movie, it can't be the best fight in the whole trilogy. He's got a point there. Uh, but I, that's, I, I would argue it's not the best, the best <laughs> fight scene in that movie. Not by a long shot. It is if if you're just rooting for Han or if you're just rooting for Ben Solo's redemption, that doesn't make it the best just because it might be the most satisfying and the most kind of like, ah, yay, Disney, feel good moment, like doesn't make it the best. I still argue that the Force the Force fight scene is the most impactful and influential scene in terms of overall care you know we we get things that are going to now drive the story forward for ben for ray for kylo because you have to think of ben and kylo at two different characters at this point and therefore for the sith for the resistance for the jedi whereas the the death star scene where we see kylo Halo Ren's defeat and Ben's redemption not necessarily driving anything forward other than his own personal story. Literally every argument you just made for that Force Skype fight is the exact argument you can make for the Force Awakens fight. How? Because that is so that's so because setting things up and we don't know where the story is going and just argued that they you just argued that that scene was setting things up perfectly. You just you literally just said it sets up Ben's redemption. No, no, no. I said it drives it drives things forward. The, How is the that different? Scene drives things forward, whereas the the Star Killer base fight it just brings up more questions. There is a difference between saying, "Hey, here's where we're at. Here's what we need to figure out," and then saying eight steps later. 
here's here's the finish line. Here's how we're going to get there. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we have to do. It's it's so different. You know, here here are the questions we need to ask and here are the final parts of the answer. Uh, you're with Lindsay on this one. No, you're, you're arguing for the season finale. No. You're arguing for the season finale while ignoring the importance of the entirety of the season. No, you cannot. I, I no, so I'm arguing for because... the penultimate ep- episode. <laughs> the, 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 the difference <laughs> no, between those Drew, two fights. Go for it. Drew, you <laughs> argued for the pod race, so your opinion doesn't count anymore. You know what? I can't believe that my my pick was the least controversial of all of our stuff. So no, Lindsay's definitely was the least controversial. That's a good point. No, I, like Lindsay's point is, is that the fight, uh, the the, sco- the Skype force. We really need a more concise name for this battle. Okay, somebody come up with something more clever than that. But their fight there in Rise of Skywalker establishes the question that the film is most interested in addressing. And, and the resolution of those characters. The Force Awakens fight is the resolution for the what just came before it. I mean, I, I'm going to go back and say you're giving a lot of credit for them using that and is, is to establish things in the future that I don't think is a strong enough argument because the intention, of, the first intention of that scene in a, in the film is to wrap things up, is to end things so that they can they can move forward with you know finding luke there's really no i don't think what does what does that scene what does that fight resolve though you guys keep saying it resolves it and ends no that's the thing i don't think it's a successful resolution i think the exactly no 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 no. this is not a positive for you the thing are you talking the 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 star killer base (laughs) fight is the resolution of the film but is not a successful resolution for anything of the characters that they're doing because there's no real reason like there's no impetus for the characters to be together within the context of that film their conflict is over at that point and it's a re- an excuse to do two things one have some really cool fight sequences and d- demonstrate Kylo Ren's prowess as a saber battle uh, saber fighter but two to get that lightsaber involved we know that lightsaber is going to be important and because the original version of The Force Awakens had Rey handing the lightsaber to Luke and him accepting it. And we know that Ryan Johnson had J.J. Abrams go back and change that before the film's release because he was going to do something different with it. So they had to introduce the, the saber and put it in Rey's hands. That's what the, the scene is doing on an economics basis, like what it's actually trying to accomplish. Your deep theological approach to it, while I appreciate it and you've assigned a lot of importance to these things, is not the intention of the filmmakers there. I don't think you can say that. Like, I don't think you can ascribe all these things and say this is what they meant by it. Like, it, it can be an interpretation, and that's one thing. And there's validity in that interpretation, I think. But when we compare that to what the f- filmmakers were doing in the, the Saber Force Skype Saber battle, is more comprehensive because it establishes explicitly questions about these characters that it intends to resolve in certain ways later on. You can't say that same statement about the Starkiller base fight. You can, but just not as specifically. The tension, but be- <laughs> no, you can. That's, the, that's how. No, I'm saying work. what what you're saying is there's there's very specific questions right so what you're saying is it answers questions or it sets up questions in that chapter what i'm saying about the right. star killer base is it sets up it's the questions that it sets up about the entirety of the book 
that tension between it, it does force us to ask a lot of questions. And that's the point. Why did we have Anakin Skywalker redeemed if another Skywalker is just going to go to the dark side? Why is this lightsaber choosing someone outside of the family? Why is why are Rey and Kylo so connected that their forces, their minds were able to be bridged? It does set up all these questions that literally creates the entirety of the narrative between them and The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. But it's the entirety of the narrative. It is the no, back of the book. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. You, I think that it's resolving those kinds of questions that the film already established, though. Like... The, the <clears throat> connection between the two characters is established earlier on in in the interrogation sequences. He says, "Yes, I've seen that island before." You know, Kylo is looking at her mind. He he examines her past and he starts to understand where she comes from. She's doing the same thing to him in that moment. Says, "You're you're a boy in a mask, or he's afraid, or something like that." So the connection is already established. So it might be developing that, but I don't think it forces us to ask where that connection came from. Because we just saw it. Same no, but I'm not saying room. it says, you know, where does it come from? I'm saying it sets up where is it going. It asks us where is it going and why is oh. it important. Because we've seen, we saw Kylo earlier in the film go into Poe's mind. So to me, that's not really saying a lot about Kylo. That's saying something about Rey and her potential. Well, I agree, except that the difference between those two interrogation sequences is the one-way traffic versus two-way traffic. Poe cannot retaliate and cannot join together, and he can't even mount a successful defense against Kylo's mind invasion. So it's much more brutal, it's much more violent and offensive in that, and it's used that same way. So that's a character-defining trait that it's assigning to Kylo. He's brutal, he's sadistic, and he has no concern for anybody else's well-being. That's fine. He is a villain. That's his, that's his game. But when we see Ray is able to stand up to that and then retaliate, similar to, you know, it's a lot like when Harry Potter does it to Snape when they're practicing occlumency in Order of the Phoenix. Mm. Like, after so many lessons, he retaliates against Snape and invi- invades his mind and sees his memories. And suddenly the two of them have a connection, albeit at odds with each other. They don't want it, but it's there. And that informs things that happen in the rest of that story, too. I'll give you that. But again, that sequence occurs prior to the Starkiller base thing. It's, it's like you said with the Saber, though, where it solidifies her place in, 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 in kind of joining the battle of the Skywalker family. I'm not sure quite how you put it, honestly. Um, so I apologize for that. But we know she was looking for family and because... She believed her family was coming back. That lie was exposed, and it broke down. And, and so now she is open to those things, and the Force is calling to her to say, join this family. It's a resolution to a question that was established earlier on. The Force, by sending the Saber past Ben, the semi-legitimate heir to the legacy Saber, and it's choosing her to adopt her to say, this is you. This is what we think, well, I don't know if the force is plural or whatever, but the force is saying, I'm adopting you into this cosmological position because I think, again, the force speaking in first person there, I think this is where you belong. And that question of her family, what she's seeking, laying before her, is answered in this fight. It's not a question of... 
if you're going to ask the question, why did the Sabre choose her at the end of the fight, then you're no different from these guys who thought she was going to be like Obi-Wan Kenobi's daughter or argued for two years before The Last Jedi, arguing over what her parentage was going to be. Her parentage did not matter. What matters was the adoption that was performed in that moment. I... That's a that's a stretch. I would say it absolutely wants you to ask why it chose her, but not in a uh, defensive of why did it choose her, but like why? Why did it choose her? Like I want more information about that. Like what is its what is the force's motivation in choosing her? Because we've seen her think more or less think so little of herself. She doesn't think she can be a part of this larger story. And now it's showing her and she is accepting that. And yes, that is a resolution. But I mean, the the pod race is a resolution to how they're going to get off the planet. The return, the return of the Jedi fight on Jabba Sail Barge is a resolution to bringing these characters back together. Like that's not a discredit to it. Like no, the, the, the point is that logic though, and and understanding, you know, like or or at least pondering why the force chose her. That's more of a, that is more of an argument for the force Skype fight, you know. Like now, now we're starting to understand this, and now we're starting to put all these pieces together. Even if it's not yet the satisfying conclusion, it's still raising these questions. Only now it's it's starting to give us more information where we're becoming more invested. I don't need all the answers right away. I need to be more invested. And I need to know that the the ending and the satisfying conclusion is underway. If anything, that that Kim scene... Has it. As, has it. As much as, I, as much as I like that fight, the fight itself, the contest between the two of them, no. It doesn't have... <laughs> It's not like it, it's just it's not it sets up these all these w- this weird dynamic these all these new questions that they're forcing in here like it, it's it's Kylo basically it's poorly written in terms of it takes what was already given and in instead terms of, of there was not a cohesive storyline throughout all three and maybe this is more of a fault of the last jedi and not the rise of skywalker boom okay i feel like we're no nowhere with it. this boo. is boo this person boo that if anything that is an example of the poor writing of the rise of skywalker which to me as much as i i do genuinely like the or the rise of skywalker but it's not a very well written movie and it forces things to go the direction that it wants it to go and that jj wanted it to go and it answers the questions that they were interested in instead of the questions that the story was interested in and in the force awakens jj does what he does best which is asks the questions and that's why that scene is so much more satisfying than the force guide but we will literally sit here for another 12 hours arguing this because i'm not backing down and i know you guys aren't either so (laughs) we will continue to clash sabers over this and i will put a poll out on twitter and we will let the pantheon of the people the beacon of all hope that is the twitterverse decide uh what really is better is it the force skype is it Starkiller Base? Is it Starkiller Base? Is it Starkiller Base? 
so follow us over on Clashing Sabers uh, on Twitter, and uh, you can find all of that stuff on our website, clashingsabers.net. And we will also uh, post a little something about this episode in the Facebook group. Speaking of Facebook, I forgot to mention this earlier, and if you've made it to this point, you're probably going to be somebody who wants to help out with this. We are going to be running a small little May the 4th uh, fundraising drive to um, get more books into classrooms. So anything you can donate there, our goal is just a simple 500. We're not expecting a lot this is not one where um we're gonna have uh you know prizes or anything like this This is just a hey it's star wars day let's support and show how great star wars fans are so if you'd like to support that um you can head over to my personal facebook page and i'll also post links um in the show notes and everything like that um and that will be up there on our facebook group as well and of course if you want to just support that more often and all the time patreon.com slash clashing sabers so drew get on it yeah. What are you working on? Hey, this has been a lot of. This took a lot of my uh, attention the past uh, couple of days as we've been kind of digging into this. So this has been a lot of fun. Um, I got to come up with something new to work on next. I suppose the the pot race has been on my mind for this for about a year and a half now. I've, I've got a nice little outline that I'd love to turn into something written if we could all get our vaccines and get back to some kind of sense of normalcy and I'd have time to write things again. That'd be great, guys. Let's let's get on that. Um, next thing's coming up. The High Republic new book is coming out in June, so gearing up for that. Um, trying to read the next books that work up for that. The Test of Courage, I think, is the uh, Ireland book. Is that right? Yes. Fantastic book. I'm going to start that one soon, so hopefully we'll have some thoughts on that one in the coming weeks. Um we finished watching Rebels. The kids watched the season four finale without me, so I have kids for sale. If anybody wants them, I'm disowning them. They just went ahead without me. Uh, and the Bad Batch is coming out. Um, by the time you hear this, the first episode should be released. It's something like, what, 75 minutes long? Is that right? Uh, I think 70, but yeah. One. It's going to be a long uh, thing, so hopefully we'll have some interesting stuff we can talk about because for that one... Uh, after uh, Brandon, after our, our last episode about our varying degrees of hype, have you have you uh, changed your rating? Are you still really excited? Have you watched any trailers or anything yet? Uh, I have you not watched any. No, things? no, I haven't watched any trailers. I mean, I've got the the basic, you know, big things that are out there. I'm not like running away from spoilers or any or uh, you know any information at all. I am. I'm. I'm not spoiling myself, but I'm not like. Right. I'm not hiding or anything. But um, I'm Lindsay, excited. What's your, Lindsay, what's your uh, general level of anticipation for the Bad Batch? I mean, look, I have consistently said, and this has not changed, that as much as I love the Clone Wars as a TV show, the clones themselves were never my biggest biggest highlight of that. And it certainly mm-hmm. goes for the Bad Batch. Um, I thought that of the, the final season, that arc was the most underwhelming. And again, not because it was poorly done not because they're bad characters. It's just not my cup of tea. And I get that. I'm not going to say it's bad because I don't prefer it. I think that for people who prefer that kind of story is fantastic. Um, I'm not super hyped over it by any means, but I'm not going to sit here and say for the people who are hyped over it, like, Oh, it sucks. You know, like if, if it's your thing, awesome i hope i hope it's i hope it's amazing and i hope it's everything you wanted and i'm still gonna watch it and i'm still gonna get really into it 
it's just not my favorite part of Star Wars. But for the people who it is their favorite part, I hope it is every, I, I hope it meets all expectations and it's everything they want. Awesome. Okay. Well, there you go. And I think we still have to have a an alphabet squadron conversation about why those books are fantastic um, and why everyone who disagrees with that is wrong. Uh, there will be there will be some of that coming out later this week. So hold tight, people. I finally right. finished the book, and um, yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. You know, just just hit the subscribe button, and then you don't even have to be like, oh, when is this coming out? Is it coming out Thursday? Is it coming out? Because guys, we got a lot of content so coming nice. out. So much I'm content so coming out. About your opinion on Victory's price. I hope you. I hope you have the right opinion on Victory's price. I absolutely do. Uh, I what? actually feel like we need all three of us to come back and discuss not Victory's price, but and this this was where B and I. I think I don't want to say we struggled because I think in the long run we did we did a good job of managing this, but understanding the difference between we're going to look at this one book first. We're going to look at this entire trilogy. I think we need, yeah, I think we need all three of us to sit down and look at it as an entire trilogy and not just one book because, because there are pros and cons to each individual book versus here's the entire story. I was looking at my uh, Google notes for the books as I was, uh, I I keep notes on them and you I know, shocking, right? Do you want to know what I titled my notes for Shadowfall? You guys will appreciate this. I titled the document Sindula Ex Machina. <laughs> <laughs> so freaking clever. Oh, so man. Proud of myself for that one. That's so good. I, I actually really like that. that. <laughs> it's really good. That's really good. Really good. All right, guys. Well, that's, we are going to call it a night. <laughs> Welcome to the end credits, everybody. And remember that at the end of the day, the biggest lesson in Star Wars is not about light and dark, but it's really about Batch 8. Hi-ho. Hi-ho. Yippee. Had to just put that yip. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different information on educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.